This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 14th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. What impact will tax reform have on higher education? A variety of ideas are being thrown out. Some of them may make it into the final tax reform proposal. Neil McCluskey, director of Cato's Center for Educational Freedom, offers his thoughts on the likely impacts. Walk us through some of the uh, reforms that are built into this tax reform that are of interest to uh, higher education. Right. The higher education community, uh, such as it is, it's very much alarmed about the House tax reform proposals because there are a lot of things in there that could, in one way or another, uh, either affect the schools or affect the students or affect both. Uh, the provision that got uh, a lot of attention right off the bat was the proposal that um, – the interest payments that people make on federal student loans are currently tax deductible and they would cease to be tax deductible. And the concern, of course, is that this uh, ultimately makes college more expensive because you uh, are no longer getting that tax deduction. Um, of course, there's, there's no uh, like inherent reason that uh, your interest rates on federal student loans should be tax deductible. And anytime the government puts its thumb on the scale to say, uh, pay more for college because we'll make the pain for you less is a bad thing because ultimately it just encourages schools to raise their prices. Uh, but that's what people were most angry about. And of course, it doesn't do a whole lot for affordability since it, you don't start to make those payments until after you're in college. What has sort of surpassed that, as far as I can tell, uh, among the uh, the people in, or at least the various groups in higher education, is that Graduate students, uh, especially if you get into PhD programs, uh, they tend to get stipends, so they get paid. But an even bigger benefit to them is tuition discounting, which is essentially all that means is you don't pay tuition. The school says, come be a student, uh, and we're not going to charge you what it says the sticker price is for this program. And that can vary widely from program to program, school to school. But what the tax plan would do is say, essentially, we're going to count that as income. So if you're going to, uh, you know, an Ivy League school, maybe to study engineering or something, and they say, well, what we say we're going to charge students is $40,000 a year, but you don't actually pay that. We're going to now count that as income. And a lot of uh, graduate students are alarmed because they say that's greatly going to increase their tax burden. Uh, and they're right. That would have a big effect on their tax burden. And it's a it's a difficult position, uh, a difficult thing to think about in that, you know, generally we don't want a whole lot of taxes on a whole lot of things. And essentially what this is doing is the school is just saying to the, the student, you're actually going to provide us benefits, so we're not going to charge you this price. And it, it's a little odd to think, well, not charging somebody for something uh, is something that should be taxed. On the flip side, the fact that schools give these giant benefits is uh, sort of another thumb on the scale that's saying, here, come spend a whole lot of time in a college or university uh, in something that may not have a great deal of value. But probably that is something that should not be taxed. It should be something that we look at as private entities saying, 
we're exchanging value uh, with each other, and why should suddenly that be uh, taxed? Um, another thing that this starts to get into K through 12 and higher ed, but higher ed is also concerned not as much as K through 12, the public schools, which get loads of money from state and local taxes. Uh, but colleges, especially public colleges, get state and local money. And they're saying, wow, if you eliminate this federal deduction for the state and local taxes, then there's pressure put on states not to tax as much and on localities not to tax as much because that matters to community colleges especially. Uh, and that would be bad for us. So they're against that. And then we get to uh, a provision that is very small in terms of the revenue it would generate and who it affects, but it's supposed to send a loud political signal. They would put an excise tax on endowments of schools originally with a schools that had endowments of $100,000 uh, or more per student. Uh, they've amended that. Now it's $250,000 per student. And this would affect maybe 50 of the richest private universities in the country because it would only uh, uh, apply to private schools, which is already a little odd that they're saying, well, we're going to sort of uh, – uh, we're going to push aside public schools and we're only going to attack these uh, private schools. But really what this is saying is something the Republicans have been saying for a long time, which is we're mad about the cost of private school. We probably have a lot of – I mean of college. Um, we probably have a lot of people who don't like what colleges do and sort of the poster child or poster children for bad left-wing really expensive schools are Harvard and Princeton and Yale and Stanford and Duke and places like that. And they said, we're going to tax their endowment because we kind of don't like those schools. Our constituents think it's full of people who don't agree with them and, and live in you know sort of uh, really gilded ivory towers. And it also sends a signal that we want you to spend more money on student aid. So it, it makes everybody who's angry at higher ed, it gives them something to say, yeah, stick it to those guys. Um, but it does nothing really to raise revenue. It does nothing to simplify, simplify the tax code. And it is would be a new tax. Uh, and so, you know, sticking it to Harvard is not necessarily good tax policy. Then the last thing is uh, 529 plans. Many people probably have these plans. Uh, it enables you to save money and you invest the money and your earnings on those investments are taxed if you eventually spend that on education. Right now, that's only applicable to higher ed. And there's a proposal to say, well, let's make this also applicable to K through 12. And the folks who say, let's do it for K through 12 say, now we're going to start giving some school choice at the federal level. That's dangerous at the K through 12 level because that federal help usually has federal rules and regulations and we don't want that. Um, and then higher ed is mad because they're saying, well, that money used to only go to us and now you're diluting it by letting it go to K through 12 schools. And that's sort of the whole tax plan is it would impact higher ed. All right. So what what is the likely impact that you see of this uh, eliminating or cutting this interest rate deduction interest deduction for people who are repaying student loans? Uh, I don't think that that eliminating this deduction, if it survives, uh, of course, all this is just based on the preliminary or the 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 first proposal, and it's got to go through the whole uh, process of becoming law, and lots of things will go away. But if uh, elimination of the uh, deduction 
uh, of the um, interest deduction were to go away, I don't actually think it would have any meaningful impact. Certainly it would have an impact on people who are paying back their student loans and were getting that deduction uh, for what they were paying. But um, it's going to have very little effect on who goes to college, on what they pay for college. But if it were to have an effect, it would be probably beneficial in that it would be a little bit less of the federal government saying, we're going to make sure that whatever you're willing, whatever a school is willing to charge that you would be willing to pay. It would say, you know what? A little bit more of the cost of the education you agree to pay for is going to be borne by you rather than the taxpayers. So it could have some marginally beneficial effect. But the fact of the matter is we have great survey research and and multiple uh, uh, pollsters have found this uh, over several years that most people take out student loans have no idea what the terms or conditions even are. They take out the loan because they, they think that it's important to have a degree. I'm getting charged X for the degree. I get, do whatever I can to get the money and I don't even think about how I'm going to pay it back because it's getting the degree is all that matters. So I, I would, based at least on the survey data, it's going to have very little effect because most people who are taking out these loans aren't thinking about the long-term consequences in any way. In fact, large percentages, maybe half or more, don't even know what the interest rates are on their student loans. So I think the thing that uh, universities, or at least what I've read uh, of stories that have come out since the tax proposal had, had rolled out, is that this graduate student are taxing the benefits that graduate students receive. And and I don't know. I've always viewed graduate students as, in, in many cases, cheap labor for PhDs who are are use graduate students to conduct a lot of research. What do you what do you what do you view as the impact of of sort of the structure of academia if if those benefits are are taxed or become more expensive essentially? Yeah, that actually could be a big deal. And uh, higher ed has grappled for a long time with what the actual status is of graduate students, especially at the PhD level. Um, it, it's, it's actually mainly played out in questions about whether or not graduate students ought to be able to unionize. And that often hinges on the question of are they students or are they employees? And depending on who, what the balance is on the National Labor Relations Board, you know, whether it's mainly Republicans or mainly Democrats, they've gone both ways and back and forth saying, no, they're mainly students or no, they're mainly employees. Um, and so this isn't really a new thing other than uh, what what's happening is now they're saying for the purpose of taxation is is tuition discounting, essentially not charging those uh, PhD students. Is it really just the same as giving them that money as part of their income? And if it is, then that can be pretty big because depending on what school you go to, especially if it's a private college university, that sticker price you are not paying can often be pretty high. Again, $40,000 isn't or per year isn't uh, certainly out of the realm that we see. Uh, for public colleges, it tends to be lower. It tends to be you know, $18,000, $20,000 a year. Um, and so the hit that you take if that becomes taxable income isn't as big for those schools, but it still becomes a much bigger tax burden than if you're just getting a stipend of $20,000 or $30,000. Now you could be actually doubling your taxable income uh, 
Um, and it also then affects the balance of do you go private school? Do you go to a public college or university? Uh, so it, there's a lot really at play with that. And I don't think higher ed or anyone else for that matter has ever definitively decided are these people employees or are they students because they really live in sort of a gray area? Would you expect there to be sort of a shift away from discounting to simply paying these people, paying graduate students and just say, well, yeah, we're going to charge you the full sticker price, but we're going to pay you uh, something close to the value that you're delivering to uh, your professors? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that probably there would be a move to or at least to more toward just outright paying the Ph.D. students. One of the problems, though, that we see throughout higher ed is that schools actually love to have these big sticker prices. Sometimes that sticker price, depending on the potential student, they say, well, if you charge a lot, then you must be a really, really good program. And so just the fact that you think you that, – that you say you're charging this much – signals a certain amount of prestige. And so do schools start to say, well, let's not think about that prestige anymore that we signal with the price that we never made anybody really pay anyway just by outright paying people? Or do we keep up this sort of kabuki dance of, uh, well, we're going we're gonna to put this price on it, but we're never actually going to really charge you that price. And the other thing is that schools will tend to uh, sometimes, and I don't know how often it's in PhD programs, but you see it at, at all levels to some extent, they don't always do the same amount of tuition discounting for people. If you're, you know, if you have really high standardized test scores and you've got a high GPA and you come from a great college or school, they may give you the full amount of tuition off. If your scores aren't so great or the school you come from isn't as well regarded, they may only give you half of that. Uh, and so – and people don't typically know about how much the discounting is. Uh, if you were to just say, well, we're going to pay people differentially, that would be a lot more transparent to those students and potential students. And that may have a negative effect for the school. So you know, my first thought would be if this gets taxed, they would almost all just say, well, we're just going to start paying you. But it's not so simple as just saying, what's the effect on the student's taxes? There's a whole lot that goes – that's behind the tuition discounting and things that go on behind the scenes that work to a college's advantage that they may not want to stop doing. Neil McCluskey directs the Cato Institute Center for Educational Freedom. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 